Let us pray. Living and loving God, your word arrives like a light in the darkness and shows us the paths of life. May your spirit be at work interpreting your word to us. And may these words of mine be caught up by your spirit and made something that nourishes your people. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord. Amen. We're all familiar, I'm sure, with telephoning someone, only for them not to answer you, or sending a text message and not getting a response. Sometimes we know why our call goes unanswered or why the text hasn't been responded to. But sometimes we don't seem to know why the person is absent. And when there's absence, we find ourselves asking questions. And our reading today addresses absence because sometimes our experience of God is an experience of absence. The readings address the unanswered prayer, the confusions over which step to take next, the uncertainty about why God isn't responding as we might expect. And as the readings explore these questions, they do so in the context of faith and hope, inviting us to look beyond our immediate experience to the promise of reunion and all things being made right in Jesus. We begin in Isaiah 64, and this reading is a prayer, a prayer from Isaiah as he feels the absence of God sharply. It's a prayer that comes from a place of despair and darkness, a prayer that expresses a longing for the tangible, for the measurable presence of God. O oh Lord, that you would tear open the heavens, that you would come down, that you would set things alight. Isaiah expresses a desire that we might see God act in a way that is obvious, like fire on a mountainside or the churning boiling of waters. Isaiah looks back and remembers how God has saved Israel, how God rescued the people and taught them new ways. Perhaps when we look at our own journeys, we can recall times where God seemed to be actively present, where God's actions in our lives were clear and where God's guidance was sure. For Isaiah, it seems that this sort of activity of God has gone away. For Isaiah, it seems like God has gone on leave. And the prayer in Isaiah makes it plain that this absence is being experienced and he expresses a longing that it would come to an end. I wonder if you have ever had cause to pray a prayer like this. Have you found yourself identifying with Isaiah and feeling as though God is far off? Are the words of Isaiah words that can be found on your lips? As he continues to pray, the prayer that began by expressing a longing for the presence of God shifts by the middle of verse 5 to a prayer of confession. Isaiah begins to acknowledge the ways 
in which the people have wandered from the paths that God has laid out. And as we reflect on this, it can ask an awkward question of us. Isaiah shows us that there is a connection between our spiritual life and our life in the world. It asks us, what do we do when we feel like God is absent? What does it mean for our life of discipleship if we're not noticing the tangible presence of God? What does it mean for our worship? How does it affect our prayers at home? How does it affect the relationships within our house or the morals when we go out on a weekend? As Isaiah prays, he confesses the shortcomings of the people of Israel in much the same way that the psalmist does through Psalm 80 that we read earlier. Verse 5 speaks of the sins against the ways of God and in the ways in which during the absence of God, when they felt like God was distant, how it led them to going astray. Sometimes there can be a false sense of freedom that comes from absence. There can be a sense that because God seems far off, we can do whatever we like. When I was a kid at school and our regular teacher was away, we always misbehaved for the substitute teacher. It's just what we did. And when parents go away and teenagers organise a party, it's the same dynamic. Or the dog that get, digs in the garden all day long while their master is at work. The absence can lead to the brokenness and the disobedience bubbling to the surface. When the cat is away, the mice will play. But it's not real freedom, is it? It's not real freedom. It doesn't lead to life. It ends up leading to captivity. Misbehaving for a substitute teacher leads to literal captivity of a de detention. And misbehaving or forgetting the ways of God leads us further away from freedom. Because the ways of God and the laws of God weren't given to enslave us. It's not designed to be a shackle. In the same way that a school provides a substitute teacher so kids' education can continue and parents have rules so their children can grow into responsible and mature adults, God provides us with teachings and provides us with a way, not so we're burdened, but so that we can grow as human beings, so we can grow in our love for neighbour and so we can grow in our love for God. Forgetting God's ways or ignoring them may seem liberating for a short while, but when you wake with a hangover after a Saturday night or you find your relationships damaged or you realise that you don't have the strength to do it all yourself, you realise along with Isaiah that the false sense of freedom takes us further and further away from God and leading us away from fellowship into isolation and separation. Yet in Isaiah, as in the gospel, the brokenness and the sense of absence doesn't result in the end of an act of prayer. Isaiah remembers, he confesses, and then he, he continues to pray. He speaks a word of faith and a word of assurance. 
Isaiah is confident that whatever challenges come, whatever shortcomings we exhibit in life, this doesn't stop God from loving us. You, Lord, are our Father, says Isaiah. We are clay, you are the potter. We are formed and made by you. Despite the sense of absence, despite the unanswered phone, Isaiah maintains confidence in God. The questions that Isaiah asks may contain notes of despair and some big challenging questions, but they're asked within the context of faith. They're questions that are charged with a strong and a powerful sense of hope. Hope lies at the heart of the Christian faith. It lies at the heart of our life, and it shapes the way in which we respond and live when we experience the absence of God. Hope isn't just positive thinking when things get hard. It's not just rose-colored lenses. Hope is so much more than this. Because it's well and good to say that things will be better one day. It's well and good to say, look to Jesus and everything will be okay. But if the phone isn't answered and there's a sense of absence that we're feeling, we do run the risk of making hope just a sentimental feeling. But hope is so much richer than this. We have a candle burning over there, signifying hope. And hope in the Christian faith is like a light that shines in the darkness. Hope is the word that becomes flesh and dwells amongst us. Hope is the resurrected Jesus who becomes present in our lives by the power of the Spirit. When we talk about hope, we're not talking about sentimentality or optimism. In the face of absence and isolation, hope looks to a bigger view of the world. In the face of systemic brokenness, hope looks to a brighter future. In the face of our own personal failings, hope looks beyond. Hope says that the way things are is not how they will always be. The clay of our lives and the clay of this world hasn't been baked in a kiln. It's not yet hardened. It's still soft and malleable in the hands of the Father. It's still being transformed. Hope looks at the way things are now. It looks to the present and it makes a judgment on it. When we hope, we look at today. We look at the experiences of life in this world and the strange different things and the brokenness that we see and we feel. And hope says, with faith in Jesus, that there is more to life than this. There is more to life than money. There is more to life than material possession. There is more to life than following the rules, more to life than big buildings. Hope looks at the world and says, this isn't what God intends. God is building a kingdom that is so much richer than this. 
God's children aren't meant to live in poverty. God's world isn't meant to be trashed and exploited. Hope looks at this world and sees the alternative future that is promised in Jesus Christ. It sees the good news of great joy for all people coming to life. Instead of thorns, it sees flowers. Instead of swords, it sees plowshares. Instead of racism and division, it sees celebration and joy. Hope looks at the world through the eyes of faith and sees the possibilities of God's love coming to life. And it begins to live these promises. It begins to anticipate and live these promises here and now. In our reading from Mark, Jesus tells us that as we wait, we should keep watching. There's a recognition of absence. There's an indication that Christ is going away. And on the next page of Mark, we see Jesus betrayed and crucified. But as he's gone, whilst we sense this absence, Jesus says, watch. This reading is about hope. It's about how hope takes shape and becomes a part of the life that we live here. It's not just sentimentality or escapist thinking. It's the promises of God becoming a part of our lives. Just as Isaiah continued to have hope in the confidence whom all people wait and search, even when we don't realize it, we cry out today, that we might sense your presence amongst us. As we journey through a season of absence and the day of your coming approaches, we pray that we would hear you speaking to us the words of faith, the words of love, the words of peace, and the words of hope. Open our eyes that have been closed that we might see you even in the anxieties and uncertainties that beset our days and threaten to overwhelm us. Help us to see that amid the hustle and bustle of this busy time of the year, amongst the crowded stores and rude shoppers, amongst impatient drivers and frayed generosity, help us to see that you are present, sanctifying and transforming the smallest tasks of love generosity and kindness that we are enabled by your grace to perform. Help us to find ourselves attuned to your presence and to live lives that are filled with hope. We pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.